0: Welcome, everyone, to the Emotionally Healthy Leader Podcast. My name is Pete Scazzaro. Today's topic is maturing into spiritual mothers and fathers. Maturing into spiritual mothers and fathers. Now, there is uh, a few things the world needs more than mothers and fathers of the faith. In fact, the world needs mothers and fathers desperately. My vision uh, and our vision here at Emotionally the Discipleship is that Uh, You will make the kind of decision, like the desert fathers and mothers did in the 3rd to the 5th centuries, uh, to get to God at all costs and do the inner work uh, with Jesus uh, so that Jesus can transform you deeply. You'll be positioned in such a way, you'll make choices that uh, Jesus can get to the deep recesses of your being and do a transformative work that we might know God, out of which then— uh, we have something to give to the world around us. We actually mature into mothers and fathers of the faith. because uh, so our leaders, good leadership uh, flows out of our being, out of our own relationship with God. It's who we are. So that we would be building a secret history with him. So today's message comes out of Mark chapter 1, uh, verses 40 to chapter 2, uh, verse 12. when And you can talk about the leper, uh, the paralytic, And then the calling of Matthew, the tax collector. Stories you know well, but approaching it from a different angle. And how Jesus uh, steps into their lives and rewrites their story. Uh, And uh, we all need Jesus to be stepping into our lives and rewriting the story of our life. And he does it quite dramatically. And then... Uh, we want to be helping others rewrite their story and discover their God-given power. And we see this with the leper, the paralytic, and Matthew. And the whole trajectory of their lives changes uh, as he rewrites their false, internalized, negative beliefs that they have about themselves inside of them. Now, I meet many uh, folks of all ages, uh, Christians and non-Christians, who are like leprous, paralytics, and Matthew, the tax collectors without purpose, uh, floating uh, out there. But God's invitation to us is that we let him increasingly show us our own God-given power and destiny, get being grasped by God about the beauty and glory he's placed within us. And this message will talk about how do I get there, where that can happen, uh, and uh, where the gospel's beliefs about who we are uh, become internalized into our being such as you know, I'm entitled to exist, it's good that I exist, I'm, I'm good enough in Jesus to explore my God-given power, to have a voice and to assert myself, to have a distinct identity and uh, I'm worthy of being paid attention to and of value. I'm lovable, entitled to pleasure, entitled that I can make mistakes and I don't have to be perfect. And, and so out of that, letting Jesus rewrite our own story and free us, we can then help others rewrite their story. And uh, so we can mature into spiritual mothers and fathers of the faith. Uh, boy, our families need that. Our friends need it. It's not about your age. You can be 75 years old and still be an emotional infant. Uh, or you can be 30 years old or 25 years old and actually be a spiritual father or mother. So, again, find out where you are uh, today. We've got a great assessment uh, uh, on our website at EmotionallyHealthy.org Mature and uh, get a sense of where you are right now. Am I an emotional infant, child, adolescent, or adult? This message you're going to listen to is about growing into a mother and maturing into a spiritual mother and father. Uh, but find out where you are right now, and then let Jesus take you forward. Again, go check it out at EmotionallyHealthy.org mature. And in that 15 minutes, you can find out exactly where are you today. It's a free assessment. All right, now here's this message uh, on maturing into a mother and father of the faith. Enjoy. Last Friday,
1: Saturday, we had our first Pastors and Leaders Conference here at New Life. and We had 156 people come from as far as Puerto Rico and Michigan and Boston to New York City. And God met us here in a significant way. And Jerry and I were reflecting last Monday morning about what had happened. And it was really clear to me that God had spoken uh, something at that conference that really had not been quite as clear to me. Before, and I, and I realize it's a very key component to uh, this series of emotionally healthy spirituality. And so uh, we've added a week, which is today. And as you'll see behind me, and uh, of becoming mothers and fathers in the faith. And really, the theme had to do with discovering your God given power uh, in order to help others do the same. And so that we could become mothers and fathers in the faith. But to become mothers and fathers in the faith, I've got to discover my own God-given power and then be able to help some other people do the same. And uh, you're all familiar with this verse in Genesis 1, 27 and 28, where it says, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish of the sea. And, and from the very beginning, you know, God, in creating us in his image... Okay, he, 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 he made human beings regardless of their color or race or educational status or background of, of sacredness and preciousness of, of, your, of infinite value and, uh, and it says in Psalms that God's glory rests on every human being It's really the greatest compliment that could ever be paid to a person is the fact that you have been made in the image of God You're not God but you resemble God and when someone touches you they touch the image of God And that's why the Bible speaks of when we slander someone or curse someone, we have murdered them. Because we've murdered someone that's made in the image of God because of their precious value made in God's image. And so there is power in that being made in God's image. And, And we're given the call to be fruitful and to subdue the earth, to rule. There is power in doing that. God's got something for you to do and for me too. Now, the issue is, how do I, if I can go back here, how how do I become a mother and father to faith? How do I take hold of this power, this personal power God's given me, and begin to live it out? And uh, as I've reflected on this over the years, it's not a matter of how old you are. Because uh, you can be in your 60s and 70s and still very much be a child it's not an issue of how much Bible teaching you've had because many of us have had tremendous Bible teaching over the years being I mean, Christians a long time but have never grown into mothers and fathers of the faith we remain basically still children or adolescents it's not an issue of your color of your skin or your gender how your wealth or how much education you've got but the issue really is I believe the integration of this emotional peace to spirituality and that it, this piece getting properly addressed it enables us to grow into mothers and fathers of the faith which really is God's goal for all of us just like he is And uh, so really this morning, what I want to talk about is it requires two things. One is that we rewrite the story of your life. And we're going to look at a couple of people Jesus did that for. And then secondly, we help others rewrite the story of their lives. That's really the two parts of where I want to go this morning. And I want you to see the big picture. Because uh, we're going to look at three stories of people who are interacting with Jesus. Beginning at Mark 1. Chapter, uh, verse 40. We're going to look at a leper, a paralytic, and Levi, the tax collector. And each three interact with Jesus. And as they do, the stories of their life are rewritten. Again, if you can picture, this is a book, and there's a script in this book. And in a sense, it's handed to you of how you're going to live your life. And Jesus takes the script of your life, and he rewrites it. And discipleship is letting him rewrite the story of your life of how it's to be lived. And then as you do that, you emerge and grow into a mother and father of faith. And then you help other people all around you rewrite the stories that have been handed to them that is not really their true story. And you help them rewrite their script for their lives. That's maturity. That's growing into a mother and father of faith. So I want you to see Jesus doing this as he steps into these three people's lives. The first is a leper, beginning in verse 40. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees. If you are willing, you can make me clean. Filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. And immediately, the leprosy left him and he was cured. Now, go to chapter 2, verse 1. A few days later... When Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. So many, gathered that, so many gathered that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came, car- bringing a, him a paralytic, carried by four of them. And since they could not get to him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus. And after digging through it, they lowered the mats... The paralyzed man was lying on, and when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. And then later in verse 11, he says, I tell you, get up, take up your mat, and go home. And he got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. And this amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. Now the third story, right after that, is Jesus in verse 13, is going beside the lake. And a large crowd comes to him and he begins to teach them. In verse 14, as he walks along, he sees Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up and followed him. And then they all go to Levi's house and have a little party. All right. Now, first story, the leper. Comes to Jesus. He's falling on his knees. He is desperate. Now, again, leprosy in those days. uh, Physically, his body was ravaged. And actually, we're playing around with different pictures to show you, but we decided, forget about it. But here's this leper. He is physically ravaged. He is, he is, he is afraid. He feels totally unworthy. Uh, you know, if you are willing, Jesus, I mean, you know, I'm not even willing to get you to heal me, but maybe you'll be willing to touch me. And understand that a leper in those days, there were laws written about how a leper was to function in society. And you'll find that in Leviticus 13, uh, verse 45 and following that when they walked into a town, they would yell, unclean, unclean, that nobody was to go near them. And because uh, it was an infectious disease that was contagious and they were not to cut their hair and they were to cover their face and cry out unclean, unclean as they walked around could you imagine? I mean the story of his life socially, spiritually isolated uh, he, in a synagogue they were not allowed in a synagogue obviously uh, their self-concept was destroyed they never were touched by anybody um, their issue of being affirmed didn't happen uh, they were cut off from family, cut off from society. He physically was grotesque. And you can imagine the internal and the external messages that he received his whole life were: you know what? You're basically a loser. Imagine his script that he was reading for for his life that was in the book. Jesus comes along and he intervenes. And number one, he rewrites the story of his life. And he just he he really helps his fellow discover his God-given power. He, Jesus says, filled with compassion, he stretches out his hand, he touches him, and then he speaks over his life and says, I am willing, be clean. And the guy's instantly healed and begins a whole new life. The second, And so he, he rewrites the story of this leper. Then the paralytic, the same thing. Okay, It's different. The paralyzed man is dependent. Uh, he's, again, totally desperate situation. Uh, four friends... You know, dramatically get him in front of Jesus. And again, in those days, if you were paralyzed like that, uh, it was considered it's because you sinned. Somewhere in your life, you committed a sin that you ended up like this. And so this guy, he can't work, he can't provide. If he's got a family, uh his friendships and, and his his uh his family relationships obviously are, are shot. He's spiritually shunned as well because of his sin. Uh, emotionally, imagine living like that year after year, the devastating impact of who you are. And again, his life has been scripted in a negative way. Jesus intervenes. This time, he says to him, your sins are forgiven. It's interesting he does that, right? First, he just forgives them the sin, knowing that, that the, the true disease, the guy's got, is not his physical sickness. It's his relationship with God, which is a mess. And uh, he knows a diseased soul is worse than a diseased body. Forgives him in front of everybody, even though everybody's upset about it. And then he heals the guy. The guy gets up, takes up his mat, and begins to walk. And uh, Jesus has rewritten the guy's script. And he is dramatically transformed. Now the third story is Levi, Matthew the tax collector. And this guy, a tax collector, was the most hated person in the town. Uh, He was under the Roman occupation. They worked for the Romans. Uh, they They were considered the lowest of the low. Uh, they were dogs. They were lower than Gentiles. And Matthew, apparently, in Capernaum, ran a major tax-collecting business. Like, he had people under him. And uh, he probably collected taxes from disciples and Jesus and others. And they, they could tax whatever they wanted. Donkeys, your packages, you walked by. They had tremendous discretion. As long as they got the percentage for Rome, they could collect whatever they wanted. So this drew a very uh, rotten type of person to this kind of business. And obviously, if you didn't pay the taxes, they just call the Romans, they took care of you. So, uh, this guy, Matthew was clearly rich, highly educated, probably, but he was oppressive, he was unjust, he was ruthless, he was self-absorbed. And, uh, again, tax collectors were cut off from decent society. They were not allowed to go to synagogue, nor were their families. They were not allowed to testify in court because they were such liars. Rabbis wrote, and I quote, for a tax collector, repentance is almost impossible. And if a tax collector entered your house, you were considered, everything was considered unclean in your house. And so Matthew, or Levi in this case, he's called, is the most hated, wretched person in town. So he clearly has got a script for his life too. Jesus intervenes, sees him, it says, and it's beautiful the way it says it in verse 13. Uh, in front of everybody, Jesus sees Levi. And then he so he accept, and he accepts him, he loves him, and then he speaks to him. No loving, holy God is going to speak to Levi. Jesus does, and then calls him and invites him in the inner circle. And Jesus actually goes to his house. And Jesus rewrites the whole story of Levi's life. So you've got the leper, the paralytic, and uh, Levi. Jesus intervening, rewrites the story of their life. And now it's instantaneous. But then there's a whole walking that out, obviously, for the rest of their lives. Now, in in the same way, the story of of their lives, now some of them made bad decisions, like Levi, no doubt. I don't know about the paralytic and the leper. Uh, But their lives are all a tragedy. Now, I don't know what was going on inside of them, okay? But uh, they undoubtedly had some false internalized beliefs about themselves. And you're going to recognize some of these for yourself. I've showed some of these before. In, in a previous message, but uh, they, they clearly had some false internalized beliefs, and, and you'll relate to maybe three or four of these. You know, maybe one was, "I don't have a right to explore or assert my God-given power." It didn't matter that the paralytic or the leper or the Levi were made in the image of God; they were, sh- they were shot in terms of exerting, asserting any kind of God-given power. Or I'm a defective. I have no doubt they felt that, or at least the, the leper did. Or I was a mistake. Or I'm a burden or I'm unlovable, or I'm stupid, or I don't belong, or I am worthless, or my worth is connected to my intelligence or position, or I must be approved by certain people to feel okay, or I can't make mistakes, or I don't have the right to exist, or I don't have the right to say what I think, or I don't have a right to feel. We can go on and on. And as you know, we can read the Bible. We can we can be Christians for a long time, and we can know the verses in our head, but deep internally, we actually believe these things about ourselves. We got handed a script in life, and somehow we actually still walk that out and believe it. Although intellectually we don't, internally we live like we do. And we never quite mature into mother and father of faith, because we're struggling ourselves with this stuff. And uh, I meet many Christians, and I meet many non-Christians, that are like the leper. That are like the paralytic. Or are like Levi. And carry some of these messages through life, and it is a tragic thing. Now, to rewrite our stories, uh, we, we've got to understand some things. So if that is the call of Christ: is, to, is that okay, Christ came into your life and He rewrites your story. But there's a walking out where it really gets rewritten all the way down, and you emerge different, able then to help other people rewrite their story. And as I reflected on, how is it? That so many, if not all, of us have been damaged by sin to such an extent that we carry these things with us. And we don't, aren't able to quite break free from it. And I do believe it has to do with this connection of this emotional component of discipleship. And I, here's some things that I will suggest to you where I think it comes from. I, I believe, number one, it comes, you know, for many of us, out of our families. And where none of our families were perfect... Where we got the message that you only have worth if you perform. And whoever your caretakers were, or your parents were, that they were unable perhaps to take pleasure in you for who you are, but rather only for what you do. And you must behave in a certain way to get some kind of approval from them. And you ended up indirectly, unconsciously feeling exploited Because it was only for your success or your good qualities, your achievements. And you ended up living this kind of life that wasn't really you. And I think many of us carry deep scars. And I like as one one, uh, great scholar said, if you can picture from zero to 15 years old, you accumulate millions of miles of film footage about who you are from your experience as a kid growing up. About who you are. And many of us got this film footage of millions of miles of it that say these kinds of things to us about who we are. And we end up picking up that book and living out a script that's not our life at all because we find ourselves wasted by these things. Others of us, you know what, we've been through some abuse that damaged us. And part of being in the image of God is you are so precious and sacred and fragile and that one experiences emotional abuse or physical abuse or sexual abuse of any kind. It does a damage to your inner wiring that is very profound and deep. And many of you know exactly what I'm talking about. I believe Another reason some of us find ourselves so damaged is we experience racism and sexism over many years of of being treated as second class and it becomes very difficult to assert ourselves. And I remember one woman sharing with me at a conference we did and, and she says, you know, I've had this call by God to teach and to even preach. And she was in her probably early 50s and she was crying. She goes, my whole life I have been put down for being a woman. She doesn't like to stand up and be a woman, and realize that 80% of the men in that audience have immediately shut you off. And she says, you know what it's like to live like that for 30 years? And she was crying, and yet you know in your heart that God has made you this way, and wired you that way, and they don't care. And it's your own church family. And she was just weeping. And I said, you know, I can't understand, because that's not my experience, obviously. But it was heavy. Or maybe you had friends who bullied you growing up. And it left a deep scar on you. And you know what? It's still, you're still playing those tapes. Or maybe you made some very bad decisions. And you committed some sins. Like obviously Levi has committed some pretty serious sins here. And you're carrying the weight. And as some people say to me, uh, I say uh, periodically, Pete, I know God forgives sins, but I don't believe he can ever forgive what I did. It's just too bad. Then we have the media, which projects this message onto us. And you hear that from TV and movies. If you're not gorgeous, if you're not the Hulk, if you're not a multimillionaire, and that you only have a right to your personal power of who you are if you are these things. And uh, as the media defines what success is for us. Or perhaps you're an immigrant and you've come here and you don't speak English as your first language. And I know what it's like. I I lived in Central America not speaking a language. And you're watching this kindergarten kid fluent it kills you. You feel like an idiot. And you just feel second class. It's not my country. It's not my language. I can go on. Maybe you have a disability of some sort. And it just brings a hole in your heart. And then lastly, and I, I think this is a big one, I believe a lot of us have had bad biblical teaching and unbalanced biblical teaching. And so we came to Christ and then we heard so much about our depravity. And I do believe in total depravity. And so much emphasis on the fact that we're sinners, which is true. But I knew I, it just reinforced, and the other balance was not brought to it, which I, the verse I just showed you from Genesis 1:27 and28 that you're made in the image of God, that there's, 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 there's a spark of God in you that's something beautiful and holy and gorgeous, and that that's a piece to you. are a sinner and you are a saint. And some because of bad biblical teaching over many, many years, it's so pounded us that we just feel so powerless that our script that we just keep living out the script we got handed. And we're Christians, but the deep change has not really taken place. So to rewrite our stories, I, I was going to take some things in our own discipleship, such as I've got to grasp the fact that, you know what, I really do have God-given power. I am made in His image, and He made me to rule and subdue the earth. That is really, that's my calling as a human being. He has given me personal power as a human being made in His image. And that's something wonderful. And, and when you tear at me, or disrespect me, or I allow myself to be disrespected, you're tearing at God's picture. And we've got to go back and grasp that piece of truth. At the same time, we've got to acknowledge the losses that we've had, and acknowledge, you know what? Um, I lost a lot of my true self and my God-given power over the years, and I've not taken hold of that either. And you know what? From whatever source it came from, it takes great courage to look at that honestly. Great colors. Because there is the reality of the demonic. Of powers and principalities of hell that work through structures, people, friends, even churches to shut people down and destroy your personal power that you never rise up and take hold of God's script for your life and become a mother and father of faith so you can help rewrite other people's scripts. And you wonder why you're in warfare to break free because the evil one knows if you get free a lot of other folks are going to get free. But even as you acknowledge it, there is something to grieving it, grieving the fact of you know what. took grieving, one of the messages was grieving, enlarging your soul through loss. There is a grieving for healing, and grieving the fact of you know what of the brokenness of my past and brokenness of how I've lived, and I grieve that those wasted years. And then by faith, I begin to explore and assert myself, my God-given power, and begin to walk in Jesus in a whole new way, and it feels so unnatural. To begin to say, wait a second, I, I I do have some God-given power. And so humbly, directly, respectfully, I begin to, to, to move out in life and live life differently. Do you imagine what it must have been like for that leper to begin to go back and begin to exert his power now in a healthy way and rewrite his life script? Everybody's looking at him like a leper, never been allowed to go to synagogue, the way socially he was treated, the way people viewed him and spoke about him. And imagine, imagine what it meant for him, how weird it must have felt. To just go out into the town and say, hey, can I have a donut and coffee? And not say unclean, unclean, when he'd been doing that probably most of his life. Or for the paralytic, who people looked at him, what a sinner, how you wrecked your life. He's now carrying his mat around. And he's walking around now. And he's saying, you know, I got a word from God for you. Or Levi now... Instead of being hated and wretched, well, he's still hated and wretched, but now he's in the inner circle with everybody else, and he's got friends and relationships, and he's loving people. He's learning to trust people. I mean, come on. The guy never trusted anybody probably his whole life, and now he's living out a whole new script of how he's living life. The guy ends up writing the first book of the Bible, of the New Testament. I mean, what a different life, and how weird it must have felt to begin to rewrite his life script. That's why you find it so strange to follow Jesus and get healthy because you're not used to it. We're more used to being sick. We're more used to being paralyzed or leprous or outcast than in being whole and living out life as God intended. It's kind of like a prison. You know, some prisoners have a chance to escape, but they're afraid. If I get out of this prison, where am I going to eat? And where am I going to live that first night? Where am I going to get shelter? Because to step into unknown territory and rewrite your life script takes a great deal of courage. I'd rather have a four-course meal in prison than get free. Many of us are afraid to get out. Yes, we've come to Christ. But to really come out of the prison and get free from this and to live life differently according to the script that God's written for who we really are. Is a frightening tale for us. Now, I, I you know, I, you know, how, how do we grow into this? I believe that this, you've got to go beneath the iceberg in your discipleship, and as we are truly finishing the series here, it does require dealing with some of these issues, to rewrite the script of your life, such as accepting the gift of what you, who you even are, your emotions, and living faithfully to yourself and going back in order to go forward, looking back there, enlarging your soul through loss, learning to grieve, loving well, discovering God's purpose, embracing limits as we become mothers and fathers of faith. I don't know of any shortcut to rewrite your script except the hard work of discipleship. Yes, I began to write mine when I became a Christian, but it only went so far under that iceberg. To get deep beneath the iceberg required some levels of discipleship that I had never gone. Let me just try to, So if you deny who you really are, your true self, and you repress it, let me tell you something. Because of the damage that happened to you, you do leak. You can't shut down the power of God's image inside of you and it not leak out in a destructive way. It's too powerful and beautiful a gift To remain shut under a lid without negative consequences. I don't know where I got this from. But I had this crazy theology after becoming a Christian. That if I'd only suffer more, God would love me more. That I wasn't allowed to really experience happiness. And I said, where did that all come from? I I had preached the texts from places like Matthew 3.16. You are my beloved son with you I'm well pleased. And because I just had never gone through this route to get at some of the deeper messages that were internalized inside of me, that came from a whole bunch of sources. You know, this sabbatical to illustrate it, you know, my, my is significant for my own rewriting of my own life script, and I trust it will be for yours as well. You know, I was raised in a, uh, and my whole mentality was, uh, I was to take care of everybody else in my family growing up. And, you know, I basically, Pete, you exist to make everybody else together and happy in this family. And so your wants, my wants, feelings, desires, hopes, dreams didn't really matter too much because uh, uh, my mom was ill. I was to take care of her. And that was my life. That was my function because things were not very good at home. And so naturally I became a Christian, uh, there was a change in, in my life script to, to a certain degree, but underneath I was still taking care of everybody and over functioning interesting I became a pastor there's a gift in all that, no doubt but to take care of another take care of another family and a great easily to, to take care of and be responsible over responsible for everybody else's spiritual life and even then, I would. Have years, early years, I remember it was since where my own God-given power. Originally, I gave it away to my family, and in some ways, I gave it away to doing the ministry, and almost lost who I was in God, in serving God, because I'd never gotten to those deeper issues underneath the iceberg. About the, I was still living out a lot of the script I was handed. Only I was doing it in a different way. And so, for me, and again, trying to grow the church and working very hard, I was compensating. And trying to prove some things to say, you know what, Uh, you know, I I, like many of you, I heard a lot of these negative messages growing up, actually in words, and I bought into a few of these, and I carried them with me in my Christian life. And you know what, part of what I was trying to do, and even grow the church, was to say, you know what, I'm not defective, you know, being a pastor, I'm not a loser. I made it, mom, you know, or dad, and was still living out some of those unwritten messages. And so the um, It's been incredible for me over the last eight years to begin to feel pleasure and to live out of who I really am, to love people and not be responsible for everybody, to let Jesus rewrite how I do life, how I do marriage, how I do friendships, how I do pleasure, how I do feelings, how I do love, how I do money, how I do all kinds of things, how I do pastoring and family at New Life Fellowship. It has been an incredible, incredible best eight years of my life. By far, um, and even it's been revolutionary. And so, even a sabbatical for me. So you understand, is I'm rewriting my own script in a sense, because it's saying, you know what? I love you, and I do. I love all of you in New Life Fellowship, and uh, and I know you love me, but I am not responsible for you either. You are for your own life before God, and I, along with the elders and staff, we help shepherd people. But but um, we want to be a healthy family here, and. Part of for me to be able to do self-care, to go hear God as I give out, is such an, you don't understand, for my life script, it's such a revolutionary thing to do. But I'm rewriting it by the grace of God. And my prayer is that we're rewriting how we do church. That we don't create local churches that are dependent on an individual. That are over-dependent on a person, rather than Christ and one another as a family. It's a very rewriting, very. Imp- that's why sabbatical is so important for our church as we are rewriting our script as a church family for generations to follow that you too are worthy of rest to be with God and to hear him that you might be able to give out. So it's very important for me and you to rewrite our story. And so we want to we wanna get these in us. We want to get true internalized biblical beliefs inside of us. And this could probably be rewritten, but this is the best I've gotten so far. You know what? I am entitled to exist. It's good that I exist. Could you say that about yourself? It is good that I exist. You're made in the image of God. You know what? I have my own identity, distinct and unique from everybody else. Your spouse, your friends, your parents, and your neighbors, and your kids. You know, I am worthy of being valued and paid attention to. Genesis 1:26 and 27. I am lovable. Don't you think the leper and the paralytic and Levi got those messages, Jesus just intervening in their lives. I am good enough. Yes, I'm a sinner, but I'm, I'm good enough made in God's image. And he loves me right where I am. I'm entitled to pleasure. I am amazed at how many of us feel guilty experiencing pleasure. Just the pleasure of a beautiful day or a rose or music or a great movie, or a tremendous novel story, or even a a, a relationship. And where does that message come from when God created the earth and said, it is very good. He had pleasure in the creation of his universe. I have a need for closeness and to experience pleasure for myself and with others. You know, I am entitled to make mistakes and not be perfect. I'm entitled to time needed to process what's going on inside of me and, and be unsure. I'm a human being and and actually, I left one out that I'm, I'm entitled to exert my God-given power into this world in a loving, direct, and respectful way. Like, I'm, I'm worthy to do that. I'm not a nobody. And so so this, is, this is where God, this is walking out maturity. So now as I rewrite my script, I don't know what you're carrying with you. You can get this off the website, you know, if you don't want it, it's a lot to write down. You know, you, you, you say, yeah, this is who I am. And I've rewritten my life story. And now I'm living out of who I truly am. Now I can move to helping others rewrite their story. But do you understand? If you don't let Jesus, and you don't, and this is your issue, to rewrite the story of your life. If you don't rewrite it, how are you going to become a mother and father of faith that helps others rewrite their story? And that's the heart of the gospel. That's what Jesus did. He walks in these lies and rewrites their story. Can you see yourself as a mother and father of the faith? I don't care if you're in junior high, high school, 21, 85. It doesn't matter. You can be a mother and father of faith to those kids in junior high if you're only 13 yourself. If you will rewrite your story in Jesus, and then you walk around and say, I'm going to help other people do the same. And... Um, You know, I I love this I mean you know, this is my great picture of the prodigal son of Rembrandt, which I haven't pulled out in like five years, you know. And I love this picture. It's made by Rembrandt, and it's the picture of Luke 15, the prodigal son. Many of you remember this series many years ago. But here's this is supposed to be God the Father. And you'll notice the grieving and sadness he's lived through life, he's kinda hunched over, and he's got his big hands on the son who's run away and wrecked his life. And all he has is love for that son. And he is mothering and fathering him back to life. He is helping him rewrite his story. In fact, the father is so filled with love and compassion that even the elder brother over here, who's a religious, we won't go into it, but bad, you know, <laughs> arrogant, he's wel- he wants him to kneel down and get re mothered and fathered because he's just a mother and father just loves people, not for what they do or how they perform. But for who they are. Just loves them because they're made in God's image. And restore to them their power in God. So they can get up and live the life that God intended for them. Because becoming a mother and father is providing a safe place for people to let down their defenses. They can take the lid off all the People walking around with so many defenses up. Proving themselves. Not letting anybody in. And what we do is we walk in life. And by God's grace as we rewrite our script. We are helping others rewrite theirs. And we're safe enough that they can let it all out and we don't reject them we don't throw them out we love them in the name of jesus we mother and father them back to life we say it is good that you exist i delight in you and i love the words of god of matthew 316 as the father said to jesus you are my love, you are my son whom i love with you i am well pleased i delight in you and we put our hands on people didn't you didn't you long to hear those words your whole life and god gives it to people through us, because Christ is in us. It is through us, Jesus. We are the ones called to be giving the life of Jesus out all around us into our culture. The world is crying out for mothers and fathers who've rewritten their stories and can help others rewrite theirs. Touching them, forgiving them, inviting them in, ah, and saying words of life over them. People hear words of death constantly. But we are to be the mothers and fathers walking around speaking words of life. Oh, goodness. This, this is empowerment. Lots of books written about empowerment. This is empowering people to live a whole new life. Setting people free. Ugh, we don't, we do, I can't do the work for anybody. But you know what? We can help them reframe their lives and discover their God-given power. Ah, All right. I want the worship team to come on forward. Let me try to sum this up. Do you realize the opposition... Of powers and principalities to keep you, to keep the leper and the paralytic and Levi in bondage. Do you understand the warfare involved over their lives? Is it any wonder that you find yourself in a warfare to rewrite the script of your life and to help others rewrite theirs? I think it's so ironic. It is so, this is God. I, I think I said it once before it, My family Some of you know my family history My family was so messed up Growing up it is, it is incredible, the grace of God That I would be leading a church family It's unbelievable That I would be mother and father to anybody In light of where I come from That's the grace of God But isn't that the story of the gospel He takes lepers and paralytics and Levi's And makes them fathers and mothers of the faith That's the, that's the gospel, that's why Jesus died But I say like Paul, like I trust you do, I'm the worst of all sinners. Let's ask God to lead you as you rewrite the story of your life and you help others do the same. And Father, we want to offer you right now our time before you in worship. Words you want to speak. Things you want to do. And I pray, Holy Spirit, you come now. Visit us. Move in this place. And set us free as we worship you in Jesus. As we close, I want to invite the prayer teams to come forward and Jesus said there are certain things that can only come out by prayer. And it is true. There is a work of discipleship in rewriting our stories so that we can go out and help other people rewrite their stories. But I would like us to close, be dismissed, and I would like us again to anoint with oil, as we did a few weeks ago. Because there are certain things that happen in prayer that are just so powerful as we break patterns or stories that we've lived our whole lives that we know are not God's story for us. And really, it's coming out of oppression and sin and rising up in the name of Jesus in a humble but very clear way. And I want you to come. And we want to pray for you that you will get hold of God's story for your life and that you will mature and become a mother and father of the faith. I pray you've got a vision for that because that's God's vision for your life. That's his call for you, that you are that father with, or mother with hands outstretched. To anyone and everyone who walks by, not that you compromise sin and holiness, but you are saying you are my son or daughter whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Friends, that is maturity. So I'm going to pray. I want to encourage you to come forward uh, as you, if you feel very stuck. And let's anoint you with oil that God will break through. Amen. Lord, I know that you can do in prayer what can't happen in a thousand sermons and a thousand counseling sessions. But you do by your spirit and by your power in a moment. And so I know these two things work together, Lord. And so we ask in Jesus' name as we close here and people come up front, Lord, that as we anoint with oil, God, you would move in power in people's lives, Lord. You would break off chains, Father. Grant faith, Lord, to rise up like that paralyzed man, to get up and begin to walk a new way of living life because of you, Lord Jesus. That, Lord, you died and rose again and shed your blood that we might live a new life, Lord. And demonstrate the power of the resurrection in the way we walk out our day-to-day existence. Lord, I ask by your power you would erase those scripts that come from hell. And, Lord, that you would impart to us, Lord, the truth about who we are from heaven. It would be so deep in us we wouldn't even know how it got there. And that you would mature us as a church, as individuals, Lord, as families, truly into being mothers and fathers of the faith. So we pray this and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.